sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after live right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM. All across the SpizGrid network, that is SportsGrid. It includes SportsGrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite place to consume everything all across the grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here in this second hour on a Tuesday. A focus on Major League Baseball to begin hour number two. Then to the Stanley Cup postseason. Now that the conference semifinals are solidified and get underway tonight. And we continue to go around the association in the NBA playoff portion of the schedule as well to round out this second hour. We start, though, in Major League Baseball. A divisional doubleheader yesterday between the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets two teams that we expect to contend for that divisional crown in the National League East a doubleheader because of a ton of rain in the New York City area up in Queens included on Sunday really all day long yesterday a little bit nicer game one goes to Atlanta they win nine to eight in a high scoring affair but game number two the Mets rally for a 5-3 victory. New York on top to begin, but then a bases-clearing double for the Braves makes it a 4-3 lead, or excuse me, a 3-2 lead for Atlanta before the Mets rally with Francisco Alvarez, a 2-RBI double, and they add on a Jeff McNeil home run from there. The Amazons win 5-3. So the Mets needed that to avoid this series sweep against the Atlanta Braves and the Braves as we would expect a National League favorite entering this year a team that won the World Series just two years ago off to a very solid start to begin this year 19 and 10 for the Atlanta Braves right now they hold a three-game lead in the National League East over both the Mets and the Marlins four and a half in front of the Philadelphia Phillies who are now in even 500 when you look at those odds you can see the gap not only in the divisional standings but from the numbers as well Atlanta minus 300 right now to win the National League East it is the best odds of any team to win any division in all of Major League Baseball speaking of those Philadelphia Phillies a team that got off to a very slow start after representing the National League in the World Series just this past October into November Philly was starting to figure it out they end their series against the Houston Astros on Sunday in that World Series rematch looking for the sweep they dropped that game against Houston they start a series on the road in LA yesterday against the Dodgers and they get blown out 13 to 4 the final score for LA the Dodgers got up early five runs after three innings they play eight against Tywin Walker who got the start for Philadelphia and the Dodgers win 13 to 4 easily covering as a minus 162 money line favorite just the second start of this season by the way for the one known as the Catman. Tony Gonsolin, he injured his left ankle in spring training four and two-thirds yesterday, allowed three earned runs, but big for the Dodgers to have him back in the rotation, obviously was sensational last year, an all-star for L.A. Philly had won seven of their last nine games entering, so they are still figuring it out. 
and a very optimistic next couple of days for the Phils as well as Bryce Harper returns to the lineup for Philadelphia today in Los Angeles. Less than five months after undergoing Tommy John surgery, a huge bright spot for Philly and a huge return to their lineup. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. Hour number two of the morning after live on this Tuesday. Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens, recapping a Monday night slate of Major League Baseball. The Dodgers win 13-4 over Philadelphia. The Phils have dropped two straight. The Dodgers have won four straight. And now L.A., four games above 500, 17-13 for the first time in what feels like a while, if not the entirety of this season. The Dodgers atop the National League West, a division they have won 10 of the past 11 seasons. They are an odds-on favorite around a minus 145 number to win the National League West, and they now have a half-game lead over the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Dodgers, still a very short number. In fact, tied for the third shortest number to win the World Series this year in 2023, plus 750 for L.A. But the Atlanta Braves, the favorites right now to win that World Series at 5-1 to one. in front of the Houston Astros, the reigning World Series champs, who have that second-best price, and the Tampa Bay Rays after a very strong start to this year, plus 750. Speaking of those Astros, yesterday hosting the San Francisco Giants, a 7-3 victory for the Strohs, a team that is also really starting to find its place throughout this Major League Baseball season. The Strohs have won seven of their last 10, two in a row. They are 16 and 13 now after the 7-3 victory. Booked as a minus 184 money line favorite. The Giants scored 15 runs in Mexico City over two games on Saturday and Sunday only three yesterday against the Astros. Eight of their last 11, by the way, now for the Strohs. So Houston finding its place. That's what's going to happen here. We're going to have a better idea of what this year in Major League Baseball is going to look like here as we are in May. Yesterday was the first day of May in Major League Baseball. Today is the second. We set the stage for all of it, including the return of Bryce Harper for Philadelphia. Up next, live right here on the morning after, as Craig Mish joins the show for the daily basis. That's next on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after live right here on this Tuesday. The daily basis around Major League Baseball we go. An optimistic day, a hopeful day for the Philadelphia Phillies, as we'll break down in just a moment. Craig Mish joins us here live on the morning after on SportsGrid. Craig, as always, thank you for taking the time to join us here on TMA. And the big story is Bryce Harper's return for the Phillies. A ton to get to, though, Craig. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. I mean, boy, if, if we could all have injuries like that, Ben, and recover as fast as Bryce Harper could, I wonder if medical science would be changing strictly on that. Very, very fascinating story, no doubt. 
Very, very fascinating. Craig, I remember the opening weekend of this Major League Baseball season. The Phils were on Sunday Night Baseball. They were talking to Bryce Harper live from the dugout. He said the timeline that was set really throughout spring training, hopefully to be back sometime in July. It's yeah. not July. It's not June. It's the second day of May. Less than five months after undergoing Tommy John surgery, Bryce Harper expected to return to the lineup for Philadelphia today on the road in Los Angeles. Craig, how do you describe the significance of this for the Phillies overall? Yeah, I mean, you look what he did in the postseason last year for them. It was his his shining moment. You know, when you think about the, the career of Bryce Harper, Ben, you know, you go back to the Washington Nationals and you think, you know, the Nationals won the World Series in 2019, the year after Bryce Harper left. And then people started to say, wow, I wonder if Bryce Harper's overrated, he's not that good, et cetera, which was the biggest bunch of nonsense you've ever seen because he literally put them on his back last year in the postseason. So naturally, it is huge for him to get back into the lineup. Now, I don't know what happened in between the end of March and now for him to be back so quickly. My understanding is still he cannot play the field. So this is still a work in progress for that. It could be a couple of months or even a month before he takes the field again. But Ben, he is going to be the best, what, three-day, four-day-a-week player in baseball right now, playing designated hitter. The Phillies got out of the doldrums in April. They started off real rough. They've looked much better. And adding him to the lineup is just an incredibly formidable force. I don't think it's any coincidence their schedule, if you look upcoming, you know, they've got some big games to play to do. So getting him back certainly changes the way that you view their lineup, especially against right-handed pitching. Extremely tough with him and Schwarber, Trey Turner, and some of the other, and uh, JT Realmuto in that lineup. Castellanos, they have a great lineup, what can I say? Yeah, they will face a lefty tonight in L.A. Julio Rios getting the start for the Dodgers, and L.A. still booked as a pretty hefty home favorite on that money line. The Dodgers did win 13-4 to yesterday in the opening game of this set, but Philly has still won seven of their last 10 days. So, Craig, you said it. Your understanding is Bryce Harper is probably going to be more in that DH role for Philadelphia. So what should we expect from Bryce early on at the dish? I mean, look, for for any hitter, there's going to be an adjustment. He certainly is is probably one in the top 1% of the world that doesn't need a ton of time to get ready and get back. And Urias in the past, clearly one of the best pitchers in the National League. Now, that has not been the case this season. We'll see what can happen tonight, in particular when I look at a game where I see a money line close to 200. I don't necessarily get that interested in that. My interest would be in the total. Until Urias shows that he's going to go eight innings and strike out eight and give his team a chance to win, I got to go over on a game like this between Philadelphia and L.A. And I saw you showed the uh, home run props there. Uh, Yeah, I mean, certainly for fun, you could take a shot at it, but I think they're probably a lot better players to chase after home runs tonight. That four to one number for Bryce Harper for now in the postseason, it was a lot closer to two and a half dollars as opposed to plus 400. Craig, despite two straight losses for the Phils, still an even 500 after a shaky, slow start to this Major League Baseball season. Philadelphia, one of four teams right now in the National League East out of the five overall in the division at 500 or better. Craig, how competitive do you expect the NL East to be the rest of this MLB season? Yeah, I, I think that you know most people feel it's a three-team race. The Marlins had a really strong April, winning a ton of one-run games. In fact, second most in the history of Major League Baseball. I, I don't know if that's sustainable, Ben, over the course of the whole season, but you can see they're 50-1. to one. They started off about 70-1, to one, so they moved down. 
you know, realistically speaking, uh, you know, the Nationals are not going to do it. Uh, you know, Miami will have to really stay in this thing and be above 500 at the deadline and make some moves to stay in it, too. So if that is the case, let's throw Miami in the mix. But for the most part, I think that you could argue it is a three-team race. And, you know, clearly no value on a minus 300 at this point, so you'd be going elsewhere. But, you know, clearly these teams have to stay healthy. The scary part for a lot of this stuff is we saw what happened to Reese Hoskins, Ben, Last night, Ronald Acuna Jr. Mm -hmm. gets hit by a pitch, and it's like, oh, my gosh, could this be serious? It looked serious at the time. X-rays were negative. But every division odds is so fleeting, which is why when you see a minus 200 or 300, it's like best to stay away and take a dog because these teams are like one or two players away from falling flat. So, uh, you know, three-team race for now, but I, I can't exclude Miami based on the April that they had. We got to just look at their record. They're a few games over 500. Regardless of what the outcome is, you have to include them in the conversation yep. in the race at this point. The Marlins riding a four-game win streak at the moment, 16-13 and 13 overall this year. It is a four-game losing skid for the New York Yankees, who have lost seven of their last nine yesterday in incredibly disappointing fashion against the Guardians at home inside Yankee Stadium up in the Bronx. Craig, Cleveland wasn't doing much offensively in the first eight innings of the game, but they played three to come back from a 2-0 hole to win it in the ninth. 3-2 the final for Cleveland. Cleveland four hits in the game overall, and Cleveland wins 3-2. So the Yankees on a slide, just an even 500, the record for the pinstripes right now. But, Craig, if you need some relief, turn to your ace. Garrett Cole gets the start today. Will Cole be able to put a stop to this bad momentum for the Bronx Bombers? He will, but will the team score any runs, Ben? I can't tell you the answer to that. Stanton on the IL, Judge on the IL. It feels like we're dialing this back to 2021 and 2020 and 2019. I mean, this is what the Yankees had to deal with for several years. And then Judge, in particular, put together that unbelievable season of staying fully healthy last year. I mean, I think Judge is going to be out more than the minimum here, is my guess. They're going to protect him for the postseason. But this doesn't discount the fact that with Judge... And with Stanton, the Yankees are like 28th and on base percentage in Major League Baseball and slugging and all the way at the bottom of everything. They're counting on this pitching way too much. But Cole's going to deliver tonight. There's no doubt, Ben. On the other side, Cleveland, they're not scoring runs anyway. Uh, their young pitcher, Bibby's, who's going to pitch tonight, did a great job in his last time out. I would be interested maybe in a first five in this game. And, you know, anything can happen once the bullpen comes in. But you probably get some value there looking at a first five under for both teams. I cannot imagine more than three runs or four runs, you know, being scored in the first five innings of these games. Interestingly enough, Cole not giving up any home runs. He is walking some guys. I don't know if that's sustainable, but we'll, you know, obviously pay attention as we go on. 11 walks this year surrendered, but no home runs given up. As Craig mentioned, six starts for Garrett Cole, a perfect 5-0 record, a 1-1-1 ERA. All right, Craig, take us through the rest of this Tuesday slate in Major League Baseball. What gets your attention on the DFS slate today? Yeah, I think, you know, some, sometimes you just got to pay the price. You know, normally when I appear on the show, I like to give a lot of the sleeper options. If you've watched since I started doing appearances now with Ben on the show, it's always like, let's find someone, not the top guy, not the top pitcher. Let's dig down and find deep. But, but he's the best pitcher in baseball right now. You are not fading Zach Gallen. And, and I guess some people would have thought, hey, you're not fading Spencer Strider. Anything can happen in one start. But Ben, I ain't going down that road. Zach Gallen has been incredible in April. I think that this is going to continue into May. 
And unfortunately, folks, you got to build the lineup around 11,200. You're going to have to go cheaper. Uh, I, look, you, what you probably have to do tonight in DFS is is either pick the Rockies stack or the Brewer stack because they play in Coors, Ben, or goes uh, Gallon with some inexpensive hitters. And so that's probably the route that I would go, Gallon with the inexpensive hitters because the Rockies have just like shown nothing this year whatsoever. And the Brewers aren't really lighting the world on fire offensively. But pitching has been really good for them, despite missing Burns and Woodruff. On the hitting side, Byron Buxton, Ben, the White Sox. Yikes. It's the fade idea in the DFS slate. Craig, thank you so much. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday all across the grid where we now enter the second round of the Stanley Cup postseason. So helping us break down the conference semifinals around the NHL. It is Anna Dua, one of the hosts of the Fantasy on Ice podcast, doing great work for the National Hockey League, fresh off her visit up to the Great White North in Toronto, where she was for game number five for the Leafs' opening round series against the Lightning. Toronto didn't win then, but they did win in game number six for their first playoff series victory, Anna, in nearly two decades. Thank you for joining us bright and early on this Tuesday on the morning after. Of course. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. So we start with game number seven, Anna, last night in New Jersey. The Rock, the Prudential Center, between the Devils and the Rangers. Game number five, New Jersey was the first team to win on home ice by a final score of four to nothing. The first team to win at home in this series. They backed that up in game number seven last night. The same final score as well, four nothing over the Rangers. Anna, how would you describe the performance last night for the Devils in a winner-take-all game to blank the Rangers with that four-zip victory? The Devils really surprised me last night because I think in game six, the Rangers found a little bit of momentum there, and I thought that maybe the series would shift back in their favor because, remember, I think it seems like so far away now, but like a lot of people thought the Rangers were going to sweep the Devils after the first two games of this matchup because they had two blowout wins, but New Jersey clawed its way back and then started having some dominant performances when it mattered the most. Last night was the most important one. You really see why they added some of the pieces they did. Andre Palat was an impact player last night so he was all over the ice. The Tampa Bay Lightning might be eliminated but he's still in the running to get to his fourth consecutive Stanley Cup final if the Devils can make it there so he was a big ad for this team and I got to talk about their goalie right now. In net I don't think anyone thought that Akira Schmid would be playing the way he's playing but he's really earned this Devils team some victories. He was phenomenal last night keeping the Devils in the game earning himself a shutout so he's definitely one of the best storylines of the first round of the playoffs and a big reason why the Devils were able to put it off. So the Devils win in seven. Anna, you mentioned the weird twist and turns of this series. The away teams victorious in the first four games. The Rangers in the first two games in Newark. The Devils return the favor in the first two inside Madison Square Garden. What is your biggest takeaway from this opening round series between the tri-state rivals? 
it was great to watch. I know everyone was really excited to see it. I think that it was exactly what we expected. It went the distance. We got to see a game seven. We got to see the Rangers come out guns a blazing and see the way they looked at the start. But I'm so impressed once again by the way the Devils rallied. This is a super young team. This is a team that's going to be good for the next couple of seasons. Like the Rangers, they went in all this year to make it all the way to the end. They got Patrick Kane. They got Tarasenko. They have some players on some big contracts like Artemi Panarin, and they really wanted this to be the year, so they loaded up at the trade deadline. And the New Jersey Devils, who are way earlier in their development, kind of shocked them in the first round. I know they had a great regular season, but before the season started, I don't think any of us saw the Devils being at where they are right now. So this team has a lot to be proud of, and the future is really, really bright because, once again, they're all so young, and they're going to be there for a while. Before we turn it forward to the second round of the NHL postseason, of course, we need to look back on another Game 7. Not a Monday night in New Jersey, but a Sunday evening in Boston. The Bruins were the best team we have ever seen in the history of a regular season in the NHL. Anna, they had a 3-1 series lead over the Florida Panthers in their opening round set. They dropped the final three games of the series overall. Their final three games at home in Boston inside TD Garden. The Panthers win in overtime in Game 7 and win the series four games to three. Anna, what went wrong for the Boston Bruins in this opening round series against Florida? I can't believe it. I mean, to be honest, the President's Trophy curse really caught them. I think that's the longest living curse right now in the National Hockey League since the Leafs beat their demons. But Boston had a great regular season. When we get into the postseason in the NHL, it kind of all clears up when we're all on an even slate. They had a great start to this series, but Florida really caught that momentum in, like, Game 5. I remember after Game 5 in the locker room, I saw Brandon Montour say, like, we're going to be back here for Game 7, and they were back there for game seven and Montour was an impact player he had a breakout season for the Panthers in the regular season had two goals in that game seven to really just set Florida over the top this is a team with a lot of great players and they just weren't coming together in the regular season which is why they barely clawed their way into the playoffs but that doesn't mean that they couldn't turn it around in any given second Matthew Kachuk was a hundred point player again this past regular season he's been on a tear talked about how Montour reached another level in his game but it, the list goes on and on Carter Verhage is a great playoff performer he was last playoff for the Panthers and we saw that in game seven so this team had a lot of pieces they all came together at the right time it's tough in hockey really any team that makes the postseason is truly a cup contender you can't count anyone out and that's why we love the drama of the stanley cup playoffs anna last week at this time we talked about the curse of the president's trophy now it is a decade long the team that had the best regular season record the winner of the president's trophy failing to even reach the stanley cup final only one team in the last 10 years has gone past the second round of the nhl postseason so anna dua tell us right here right now is the president's trophy curse real I feel like it has to be at this point. So I'm going to, I'm a believer. They made a believer out of me after this Boston Bruins season. But, you know, the one player taking an advantage of it is like Sergei Bobrovsky right now, guys. It's crazy. He was on that Columbus Blue Jackets team that swept Tampa Bay in 2019 when they won the President's Trophy. And now he sent the Boston Bruins packing after they won the President's Trophy, being in net for the Florida Panthers. So everyone hates the President's Trophy curse, I guess, other than Bobrovsky right now.
the man known as Bob, a huge performance in the final three games of that series against the Bees. And really all regular season long, and with Boston on that historic pace, the Bees were booked as the favorites to win the Eastern Conference. Of course, after elimination, that is no longer the case. So Anna, who's your favorite right now to win the Eastern Conference in the NHL? You know, the Toronto Maple Leafs have proved me wrong all season. I thought there were some holes in their lineup, but those holes have really impressed me in that first round, namely their goaltending. Ilya Samsonov was phenomenal in some games and some key moments for the Toronto Maple Leafs. There were some shaky moments, but he really rallied and he made some critical saves to ensure that his team moved on to the second round of this postseason. So I think the way the team rallied around him, just like the grit that this squad has shown this year and the fact that they get to play Florida next instead of Boston, I'm sure Toronto's really happy about that. That's the matchup that they wanted in the second round. It's going to be tough to beat the Maple Leafs right now, so I think I think I got to stick with them. So now we set the stage for the conference semifinals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Game number one tonight in Toronto, the Leafs a minus 166 favorite. Anna was there in Toronto over the weekend to witness history. Toronto finally snapping a 19-year drought of failing to win in a playoff series. So now that is off their back. They focus on the second round. Anna, you were there over the weekend. What do you think the atmosphere will look like tonight for game number one of the conference semis against the Panthers? Oh, it's going to be unreal. It was unreal in the first round. It's unreal every single game, you know. It's different up north. Hockey's different in Canada. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased because I'm from Toronto, but it's it's a big hockey city. That's the sport up there. People love the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've been waiting a long time to watch them this deep into the postseason, and they're excited about this team. you got to keep in mind how many NHL players come out of that area, too. So, really, hockey means everything up there, and a lot of people have just been so, so amped, and they were amped in the first round, too. There were insane chants. Like, the crowd was, like, up and going outside inside in the rain just watching the Leafs and getting to see them finally snap that curse that lasted almost two decades I'm sure it's going to be even crazier in the second round but they deserve to celebrate I know some people are giving them a hard time saying that they're acting like they won the cup but man they just are so excited to watch more playoff hockey so I think that they should be allowed to celebrate as much as they want as they should be. Anytime you snap a 19-year drought of anything, you should celebrate like you won a title. Game number one in Toronto. Game number one in Dallas tonight as well between the Stars and the Kraken. Seattle off the upset in seven games in their opening round series against the reigning Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Here we get ready for this Western Conference semifinal set between the Stars and the Kraken. Anna, how do you assess how both Dallas and Seattle are playing entering this series? I think Dallas obviously has a little bit of an upper hand just because they were the team that we kind of expected to come out of the first round. So I think a lot of people are going to be leaning their way. But after that first round series with Seattle and Colorado, I don't think anyone can count out the Seattle Kraken. They have been an underrated team the entire year. They were among league leaders in goals per game scored. And I think a lot of people swept that under the radar. They had some players have breakout seasons this year. They rallied even in the absence of Jared McCann, who was their best player during the regular season so it showed how deep this team is that a lot of people sometimes overlook and I think I think they're scary the Seattle Kraken caused the biggest mm -hmm. upset in the first round I wouldn't be shocked if they kept it going I also wouldn't be shocked if this series went the distance so I know Dallas is definitely the favorite and they should be they have Jake Ottinger they have like hints they have all those guys up front but 
at the same time the Seattle Kraken proved everybody wrong in round one, they could just as easily do that in round two. Their second year of existence, their first playoff victory just a couple of weeks ago. Now their first playoff series win as well. The other Western Conference semi is between Vegas and Edmonton. The Oilers are the favorites to win the series outright. It's even on the money line, though, for game number one tomorrow in Las Vegas. Minus 110 on both sides. Anadua, thank you, as always, for your time. We're glad you joined us here, fresh back from the plane in Toronto. Thank you so much. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Live right here on a Tuesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. We continue to go around the association. We look back on last night in the conference semifinal action in the NBA playoffs. Two more games, a doubleheader on this Tuesday as well. Joining us for all of that breakdown, it is Dexter Henry. Live right here on the morning after. Dexter doing great work with SNY and the New York Post as we welcome him on to TMA on this Tuesday. Dexter, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the morning after. Glad to be here, Ben. Hope all is well with you. Uh, thanks for having me. Doing very, very well. Thank you for being here once again. We look back on last night. Game number one inside TD Garden in Boston. The Celtics, a 10.5-point favorite after Joel Embiid was ruled out for the opening game of this series. James Harden scores 45 points, a playoff career high, and Philly steals game number one on the road in Boston. Dexter, what do you think this does? How does it change the duration of how long this series might go between the Celtics and the Sixers? Yeah, I think looking at it, Ben, when you came to the series and knowing that Joel Embiid was going to be out for game one, I think you're saying, okay, well, ball, easy work of Philadelphia. What can they do? Do you trust Harden in a big spot to step up after a guy who sacrificed all season long, right? He's been more of a playmaker on this team, not a scorer. I think a lot of people wondered, could he still do that? Boy, was he good in game one. 45 points, seven three-pointers, really impressive right now. And I think what this does with Embiid being out, and we'll see how long that lasts, is his impact was that it changed the pace of the game in this series, right? We saw a much faster pace last night. I think that's something that will continue in this series. The Celtics are going to have to look to defend their going forward than they did in game one. You saw a much faster pace, which favored Philly and their guards, Maxi and Harden, also shooters being able to knock it down. We saw a great game from DeAnthony Melton off the bench. So right now, I think it's about this is a rivalry. It's going to be a longer series. This isn't going to be five. It's going to be easy. The Sixers have a lot of pride. And I think another thing that matters was they were able to prepare for a while with the rest they had after sweeping in to get ready for the Celtics. And I think that mattered yeah. here in game one. They were pretty confident how they would play without Joel Embiid in that show. It's a really good point, Dexter. It was Philly's first game in nine days since April 22nd after the easy opening round sweep of the Brooklyn Nets. We're not exactly sure what Joel Embiid's status is going to be for the rest of this series against Boston. And maybe because of that, Dexter, the C's a nine-point favorite once again as those early odds have come out for game number two 
tomorrow. What adjustments do the Celtics need to make for game two, even if Joel Embiid is not going to be on the floor? Yeah, I think what's going to have to be defense, 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 and that's going to be number one. You're going to have to do a better job in Harden, who looked like vintage James Harden in game one. I think that's going to be the key. Can they slow on Harden? But Harden, I wonder about his confidence now, seeing that he can do it. Harden's always had these playoff struggles, and now you're going to be tasked with trying to slow him down. Also, I think you can't have the shooters going off the way that you saw Philadelphia do, so Boston's got to do a better job in the defensive end. And one of the things I thought they didn't do well offensively in game one was they didn't really attack P.J. Tucker, you know, who's an older forward. He didn't take a shot in the game. Hey, we know he's been a good defender for most of his career, but P.J. Tucker's not the same player. And I thought that was a missed opportunity to attack and hunt him more uh, on the offensive end. So I think the Celtics kind of have to do better in that job. There's some little things they have to clean up, but most notably on the defensive end, if they don't let Harden go off for 45 and they're able to contain some of Philly's shooters, I think they'll win game two. But, I, you know, that number at nine opening for the game two, you know, look, I thought taking the Sixers plus the ten and a half last night was a good play. I did think Philly would fight and play really hard. I think you could see the same thing in game two. I don't think it'll be easy, but I think the Celtics uh, be able to cover that. And maybe you want to play that down to a lower number. I mean, it's still a very lofty spread for a conference semifinal yeah. series between two very familiar foes where we stand in the NBA playoffs. I think the nine points, at least at this moment, an indication we might not see Joel Embiid for game number two. That's tomorrow night inside TD Garden. Game number two last night in Denver. And the Nuggets win their second game of this series over the Suns, both by double digits. 97-87. The Nugs behind 39 points and 16 rebounds from the two-time reigning NBA MVP, Nikola Jokic, now take a 2-0 series lead. Also, Dexter, we saw Chris Paul exit the game early in that second half yep. last night. Well, get ready for game number three, not till Friday back in Phoenix, where the Suns currently are booked as a five-point favorite. But Dexter, where do you think momentum is in this conference semifinal set between Phoenix and Denver? Well, it's hard to not think that all the momentum is with the Nuggets right now, especially when they win a game, as you mentioned, 97 to 87. That seemed like a score from the 90s right there between two teams who we expected to put up a lot of points. I think a lot of people were going to bet the over in terms of points when it came to the games in this series. But Right now, all the momentum, excuse me, is with the Nuggets. And it's really because the Suns are struggling offensively. You look at Kevin Durant, he misses 10 three-points, two downtown in game two right now. The Suns are not doing a good job in terms of the amount of volume of threes that they're getting up in the series and also what they're making. They're getting scored by three points from downtown right now. And right now, Denver's playing confident. Look, Jokic dominated, dominated and he looked like an MVP. I know the MVP will be announced uh, tonight, but he looked like somebody just dominant MVP in what he was able to do this for him. And then you have to be disappointed if you're the Suns because you had a poor game from Jamal Murphy, off, uh, Jamal Murray, excuse me, offensively, and you're not able to win this game. So it's really all the momentums with Denver. Suns have a lot of soul searching to do, and I think a lot of the problems that we're seeing with them, Ben, is because of the lack of depth. Only eight points off the bench in game two. That's not going to get it done. And I think that's the biggest issue for the Suns right now.
Despite the cold shooting night from KD, he still finished with 24, and Devin Booker continues to play incredible in this postseason, 35 points. Devin Booker averaged more than 37 points per game in that opening round series against the L.A. Clippers. And we've showed you this graphic a few times throughout the show. Phoenix entered this conference semifinal series against Denver as the favorite to win the series outright and as the favorites to win the Western Conference. Now the Nuggets at plus 150, the favorites to win the West, nearly a $3 favorite, minus 295, to win this series against the Suns. Let's go to game number two tonight, Dexter. Not far away from either of us. Inside Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, the Knicks and the Heat. New York upset in game number one by the Heat. Miami has been booked as a dog on all six of their playoff games. They have won five of them outright. They were only a four-point underdog, though, Dexter, for game number one. And again, won that game outright. And despite that, the Knicks are an even greater favorite for game number two. Six and a half points is the number right now in favor of the Knicks. Dexter, what does that indicate to you? And what are the odds saying about game number two tonight? I'm glad you asked that because it's something I was just speaking with someone about. And I think when you see that six and a half point spread right next to favored, that tells me, uh, I don't think it's likely that Jimmy Butler plays in this one. And I think this is going to happen. So if you think the Knicks are going to run away with one line, I think when the news comes out for that, you can see that line move even more. It wouldn't shock me if it goes to seven and a half, eight and a half, you know, closer to game time. So I jump on that if you really think the Knicks will win. And I think that's what it tells you right there. Also, it's a lot of uncertainty still around Julius Randle. If Jimmy Butler does not play, mm-hmm. will the Knicks play Julius Randle? Will they say, hey, we can win this game without Julius Randle. We'll get another three days rest. Game three is not until Saturday. Maybe this is the play. But I think the Knicks are good value here right now. I don't think they shoot as poorly as they did in game one, Ben. And I think they have a bounce back victory in game two. And I like them to cover six and a half points, spread. Right now on the schedule, game number three is not until Saturday in South Beach. We had our guy, James Young, our coach, on earlier. He said if he was the coach in Miami, and Eric Spolstra is one of the best in the NBA, he might try to have the discussion with Jimmy about sitting out until game number three. Good luck telling Jimmy Butler he wants to sit out (laughs) an NBA playoff basketball game. But let's assume, Dexter, that maybe Jimmy Butler is not out there tonight for the Heat. In his absence, what will be the biggest key for New York to even this series at one game all? The Knicks cleaned up the mistakes that they had in game one, right, Ben? And it's two things. One, the Knicks had a ton of open looks. They missed a bunch of shots. So it's really a make or break. It really is that. And they just have to make shots. But the other thing that he did poorly, besides missing wide open looks, especially from downtown, was they didn't take care of the ball. And they have to do a lot better job of taking care of the ball in game two, I think that they will. You heard Jalen Brunson talk about the fact that he knows that he needs to be better in terms of the shooting, but leading this team, getting him in the right spots and taking care of the ball. I think that they have to look at different lineups where they Quentin Bryant only played 10 in game one. I would look for him to play more in game two. They need his outside shooting. Josh Hart is a shooter. You have a guy, Quentin Grimes, on the floor who can let it fly. I think that helps a ton, and I think we see that in game two. So I think it was really just about making the shots, Ben, and also cleaning up. The Knicks did a pretty good job on the glass in game one. They out-rebounded the Heat. I think they'll be able to do that again tonight. It's really just taking care of the ball, making your shots, and I think they'll be a lot better in game two at the Garden.
The Knicks were the series favorites entering game number one at MSG. Now they heat the series favorites entering game number two. The total tonight, by the way, working its way down slightly, 206.5. All six games for the Knicks in the playoffs have stayed toward the under. All right, game number one, the marquee matchup of this doubleheader slate tonight, the marquee matchup perhaps of the entire NBA postseason, Golden State, and Los Angeles. The Lakers and the Warriors in San Francisco. Steph versus LeBron once again. Golden State a four and a half point favorite at home tonight against LA. Dexter for this opening game of a Western Conference semifinals that has a ton of height and expectation. What is your approach? Look, for this opening game, I like the Warriors for, for a couple of reasons, right? Uh, LeBron, if you look at LeBron, he's on four versus the Warriors in game ones. However, the rest of the league, this is when Warriors game ones to be. The rest of the league, not necessarily better. The Warriors are 19-2 and two in game ones with this, this hmm. current group. So the dominant game ones, they usually get off to a really good start in these series. This is a challenge for the Lakers. Um, I, I'm surprised the spread is actually not a little bit higher for the Warriors. I think it'd be three and a half or even six. Uh, I thought it would go to that. But I think the Warriors, the way their offense is, all the movement they have, I think this is a challenging series for the Lakers defensively. And I think the Warriors are feeling very confident after, you know, being up 3-2, winning a game seven. I think that they're able to get game one at home and get a good start. But I also like them in this series as well, too. I think they win this into six for the reasons I mentioned before with the Lakers. I think they're going to struggle defensively, especially with guards in containing Steph, Clay. I think that's a bit of a struggle for them. Jordan Poole, uh, the way the Warriors run offense, I think this could be a really tough series for the Lakers. And the Warriors have home floor advantage in this series, unlike their opening round set against Sacramento. Golden State, the best cover team at home this year, 28-15-1 against the numbers. Steph? A 50 piece the first ever 50 point performance we have seen in a game seven he will look to carry that over into the opening game of this series against la tonight in golden state a slight favorite to win this series outright dexter henry from sny and the new york post joining us here on this tuesday on the morning after dexter thank you so much for your time we greatly appreciate it and enjoy the two games of nba playoff action tonight i will for sure thank you ben appreciate you man yeah, very glad to have you here. Golden State and L.A., by the way, the most likely from a total games perspective, seven. We'll talk about it next on The Morning App. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We round out our two hours together here live on the morning after on this Tuesday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159, that being the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid network as well. And that now includes the new SportsGrid app. Scan the QR code that is about to be on your screen. There it is. Scan it right now. Take a moment. Download the app, and in the palm of your hands, you have everything from all across the Spiz Grizz. You can even start calling Sports Grid the Spiz Grizz. I give you that permission 
only if you download the new Sports Grid app, the ultimate sports betting companion app, now available at the Apple App Store. You want to use it for all the data that we have, all the information and insight we continuously provide you to find your best bet, your favorite wager all across the sports landscape in your favorite league, your favorite team, your favorite sport, your favorite player, here now certainly in the playoffs as well. We'll look at game number two inside Madison Square Garden tonight between the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat. Before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for an NBA playoff best bet of sorts. It's time for Bye Bye Bye. All right, here we go into game number two tonight between the Knicks and the Heat. The total's working its way down. It was 207 earlier on this Tuesday morning, now at 206 and a hook. We mentioned it earlier with Dexter Henry just a couple of minutes ago. The line is six and a half in favor of the Knicks. It was only four for game number one. And it wasn't like the Knicks blew out the Heat. In fact, Miami won outright as an underdog for the fifth time in six playoff games. So why has the line grown in favor of the Knickerbockers? Maybe the idea of the injury to Jimmy Butler. All six games for the Knicks have stayed under here in the NBA playoffs. If Jimmy Butler is not out there as the driving offensive force for Miami, maybe we see an under once again. That does it for a Tuesday live right here on the morning after. We'll be back on a Wednesday starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow.